Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising Podcast, Journeys of Descending into the Mysteries and Rising from the Roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and today I have Elaine Johnston on the show with me. Elaine lives by the sea in a beautiful northern Irish town called Holywood. She is a mother to four boys and a number of pets. She has been working in the healing arts for 10 years and is a grounded work in progress. In this episode, Elaine and I dive into the wisdom in the sacred Celtic lands of Ireland, sitting in circle with sisters, communing with the land and the fae, and the power of the breath. Can't wait to dive in. Okay, welcome to another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast, and I am with Elaine Johnston today, and I am so excited. I think I'm most excited to dive into Ireland. My heart has been yearning for Ireland (laughs) these past couple months so much, but there's so much magic in the work that Elaine offers. And so to start, welcome Elaine, and to start, we're going to dive into what is the story that has brought you to the work that you are offering the world? today okay well that's a massive it's a big thing isn't it <laughs> so it's actually my birthday this week Lisa so mm-hmm. I was thinking about I'm coming 45 on Sunday and of course the work that I'm doing the story that's brought me has been a lifetime everything and it's wonderful having conversations like this because it does. It, today I've been kind of aware that you were going to ask things like that and thinking back. And it's huge. But if I probably start back in childhood where everything starts and I was always sensitive, always um didn't always feel safe and secure. So was always on alert, always reading energy and feeling. And of course, now looking back, that's my gift Mm -hmm. and wonderful. And, you know, it's, I've been, I was so sensitive and reading the room, feeling into what was going on, always a step ahead of everybody else for my own safety, you know, really feeling like I needed to do that. And then in teenage years, I numbed, as I know we've talked about before, Uh Uh Um, I numbed in teenage years. And then after I had my first son and becoming a mother, then I wasn't able to numb anymore. And suddenly then I started gradually now he's coming 20 he's 23 so I then slowly very slowly started to open up and started to really connect with myself on a healthier level and that brought me to work with other people Mm. and yeah so beautiful does that is that right is that beautiful yeah answer to such a (laughs) big question yeah and and was your numbing mechanism it was alcohol as well as that Mine was keeping busy, um, mm. alcohol, um, cigarettes, food, shopping, mm. um, basically just, I'm not, not really thinking about, I would have, um, avo- big avoidance, you know, yeah, yeah. with a master at it, could just 
jump out of my body very quickly and daydream and disconnect really easily from myself. Yeah. I think that's such a powerful, um, teacher right now is how we can disconnect and run away from ourselves. And it feels like the world is asking everybody to come back home to themselves, like kind of turn around, go back and be with what you're actually feeling and experiencing and all that, um, medicine that's there for, for us when we actually sink into what's going on in our inner realm. So after motherhood giving birth, and then it was kind of like, okay, it's time to come home to the self and actually like get to know yourself, start to work with being a sensitive being is what it, it sounds like. I know for myself, I was constantly numbing to drown out everybody else's stuff that I was feeling. And so what was kind of the, the doorway that started that opening, like the, the healing modality that started that opening? The healing modality would have been Reiki. Mm. And then actually, I've been thinking loads about this recently. Then I used healing modalities as another way of numbing and avoidance. You know, I I then was all about Reiki for a while and all about Orosoma and, you know, very much that was my thing. I, I'm still obviously evolving and learning, but I feel I'm mastering that an awful lot more with not the whole spiritual community, watching podcasts, reading the books and mm. thinking, you know, and, and thinking that was doing the work for a long time. I did do that. Yeah. yeah. I love that you brought that forward. I speak about it sometimes about like 2017, my spiritual honeymoon, and then it was over in 2019. And what happened in 2019 was I physically couldn't practice yoga anymore. My body started shutting down. And up until then, yoga was my addiction. I was just practicing yoga Mm -hmm. every day, all day, totally addicted to the personal development realms. And then the universe was like, well, you, you can't practice yoga anymore. You, you physically can't. And then that was kind of when the real work began. And so with Reiki, I want to touch on actually aura Soma before Mm. we go into Reiki, what is Aura Soma? I don't think we have it here. I've never experienced it. I'm sure you do. It's worldwide. I'm sure you do. But it's, so if I got one and I could show you, is this going to go on Zoom or just on podcast? No. Well, I'll not bother showing you that. So (laughs) it's, they're beautiful bottles that are made up of crystals and different essences and herbs. And they're an oil, shake them to activate them. And each one has a tarot card and a message. There's probably, now I'm not practicing it at the moment, um, but I did come into energy after Reiki. That's kind of what I moved on to next. But now I very, very rarely would use them. And because like I said, I went through a stage for thinking I needed to buy the tool and Mm. the product and I had the whole set of these bottles because I loved them and I felt they were very powerful. And for a time in my life, they really were. But then I just had different realizations that I didn't need to go and buy a product and I didn't need to use. Now, I'm actually using one at the minute. That said, I'm using one at the minute, but it's because I want to. And it's because I just took a notion last week to use it. So they are very 
there's great marketing with them. They are one of those spiritual tools that for a while here were all about all hyped. They were hyped, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and they're wonderful for a whole lot of people. And they have been wonderful for me. But at the moment, they're not something that I really I'm into now. Yeah. Um, But then they actually that's the thing, because I went into Reiki then that brought me into Orosoma. And then Orosoma brought me into then um, there was a love, a wonderful um, girl, Amanda Ellis. Have you heard of Amanda Ellis? You sent me Amanda Ellis, the oh, link for Amanda I? Ellis. And I'm, I watch her videos all the time. Oh, she's great. Mm. So she, I was watching one of her videos oh, years and years ago. And Vicky Wall, who was the founder of Orosoma, was in the background in her. Um, you know, in her video in the back, this photograph of Vicky Wall. And I thought at that time I had started, been starting to get slightly disheartened with Orosoma, but was waiting on something else opening up mm. and had seen this photograph then of Vicky Wall. So then that brought me into the Archangel Metatron healing. Mm. I'd done that with Amanda Ellis. Okay. And practiced that for a while so all these different modalities organically just have just made a big a lovely big cauldron of healing modalities that are all mixed up together Mm, yeah and which ones have stuck which ones are the ones that you offer today well today I most mostly what I offer is I would call it energy healing even though I come in with Reiki I don't only associate my work with that one label mm. I like to think because I work so much with the goddess energy so if somebody comes to see me I I don't like to have it labeled mm. it's all unique I work intuitively I sometimes somebody would come and we would maybe go into some breath work I've done the breath work um, and you were there on the first ever time that I experienced it in Avalon. Yes, at the apple orchard. Yeah. So that was whenever I was slowly starting to find clients were coming regularly, lying up on the couch for a recce and kind of relaxing, having a nice session going home, coming back, you know, a month or whatever later. And I was starting to say, there needs to be something more that this is just doesn't feel like it's cutting it. And went off to that retreat in Glastonbury. And when I experienced the breath work Mm. in the apple orchard, I then had a huge longing and a huge knowing that this is this is the next thing. This is what I have to do next. And of course, then it really, you know, it, it was such a huge thing for me to travel to California, to Mount Chasta and do that. But it was also about then me diving into the breath work for myself and then bringing it on to my clients, which yeah. everything has been about. Everything that I have, you know, everything that I, work through find healing in myself then I bring into my healing room Mm, yeah it's like we go through those initiations ourselves 
and find what works, find our own inner balance, and then we can guide others into that space. What was that experience that first time with the breath work? What was that experience like for you? I had a wonderful experience there. It was whenever I finished, whenever the experience finished and I sat up, excuse me, um, after I sat up, I was just, I think I swore and just knew that was, Mm. that was deep. That was active. That was not lying and giving some, giving your power away to somebody else. It was, I was doing, you know, I was working with my breath. I felt empowered after that. And I thought, this is what I, I want to bring more to my sessions is more empowerment people doing the work themselves. Mm, yeah. And I remember that first, but that was my first time ever doing the breath as well in the apple orchard. And at that time it felt like, um, like it was too much. It was too much. Like I was like, I can't keep up this rhythm. It was almost like I was going into a bit of a trauma response. And I've worked with Madeline since with breath and she's like, okay, like meet yourself where you're at. And then you can take it a little bit deeper, but don't force it. And I felt like I was forcing it that first time. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? (laughs) I'm kind of blown away by it, but also scared of it. I was a little bit scared of it. And then I just remembered the time that we did it with you in the Abbey. Yeah, that was was so beautiful. That was so beautiful. How did that feel guiding breath in the Abbey? Oh, to be back and then guiding it in Glastonbury where I first discovered it was so special. And actually I was, when I was setting up for our meeting together, I have this lovely wee hair that I was gifted there. And I thought, I'll just set that on my table with me today because that Mm. energy was beautiful. It was lovely. Yeah. It was so beautiful just lying on the ground and, but we were by the Yoni stone. I think we were by the Yoni stone, just receiving the medicine. And it was so, so powerful. So with Archangel Metatron, how does he assist in your sessions? Is that somebody that you call on and, and work with? I, again, I did go through a stage of deepening into work with Archangel Metatron. I don't consciously call him in sessions now, mm. but, but what I do is I would connect with this, the geometry. So Archangel Metatron is very much about a beautiful geometry, sacred geometry shape, the Merkaba. Mm. And I would, whenever I'm doing visualizations myself and doing energy healing, I would bring that shape in a lot, that sacred geometry shape. And sometimes I would call it upon, it's very much, there's not one, I don't stick to any one thing. Mm, (laughs) Um, mm -hmm. It's all, I'm a Pisces and I like to go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It always, when you were speaking about that earlier, just kind of like we get all these threads, all these different modalities, and then we create our own pathway. And it always reminds me of this story of the old woman of the world, like weaving the tapestry of the earth. And then the trickster, the crow, like pulls it all apart. And then she just starts weaving again. And it's such a beautiful story because it's like, we're constantly weaving our own web of work, what works for us, like pulling in and cutting some threads, letting them go, tossing them aside. And it just keeps, keeps um, yeah. growing and expanding. And then 
the client base as well grows and expands. And I find, um, as I'm sure many people do, I would go through stages for a long time. Actually, I went through stages where I had a lot of people coming to me with cancer and at the end of life. That was that was something that I deepened into for a while. You know, I must have I needed those clients for my learning. And then I was learning in that vibration. But now over the last year, I haven't had anybody with that. You know, it just always changes at the minute. Actually, I'm having a wonderful lot of teenagers come through, which I'm really enjoying. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And what I do, what I have noticed is I only work with teenagers if either one parent is coming to me as well. Mm. So, yeah. uh, so that's, that's re- that's such a, such a privilege to be working with these young. And then I'm pulling back and to my childhood, to my teenage years, and I'm able to call on that learning. Mm. That's beautiful that teenagers are coming. I love that. It feels like yeah. the younger generations are opening up to all these different modalities at yeah. such There's, a younger age. It's brilliant. And well, it's a lot of teenagers have been so affected by the world recently and mm-hmm. um, socially feeling a bit awkward with life, with not being as active and as out there over recent years and lots of trauma coming up from that so it's so special it's lovely and of course they're so um, into crystals and it's just fantastic yeah Yeah. and so you'll work with one of the parents and then the teenager as well and so yeah it's kind of like creating this cauldron of healing when you're working with two generations because what one does is affecting the other one and what the other one does is you know it's all working together and so with that inner child healing has that that's I believe part of the work that you do right is the inner child healing yeah and was that a big part of your journey what did that look like that was a big big part of my journey so I had um a lot of I heard a term recently that I liked and it was um big t trauma and small t trauma I heard somebody say so I had an accumulation of both in my childhood and then after I had Adam my eldest son I started to just really look back with um with different therapies look back at my childhood and lots of healing and I think for me then moving through that I can I can be really comfortable sitting in with somebody in their darkness I'm completely comfortable with that and um it's a privilege I love it you know I it's wonderful so I think because of experiences that I've had um that I've grown that I've come through then I can be with others in theirs Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's that powerful space holder. And I think as a sensitive person, you can really hold that container for other people. And it's like that gift. It's now like a gift of sensitivity was something that a lot of us pushed away and numbed out and was like, I don't want to be this sensitive, you know, and and now 
as you're on your healing path or offering your healing medicine, it's like that sensitivity is so powerful to hold space for others. It's like that deep feminine energy, that compassion and love and nurturing, and I can hold this space for you, but not take it on myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That inner child healing is such a portal. It's such a powerful portal to bringing the subconscious on board and healing all aspects of the self. And so with, I know Akashic records is something that you also work with. Um, what does that look like? The Akashic records that would have come in with Archangel Metatron that would have under the same umbrella as the work with Amanda Ellis, uh, Akashic records are in with that. And, um, that for a time you've you've seen that on my website and that's not something that I would really be offering now and um, mm-hmm. if someone was to ask me for that I would have somebody else that I would refer them to for that it's I done it for a time but actually <laughs> it's so interesting well maybe you've found other people to find this I feel since the past few years I just haven't been able to connect with that in the same way mm-hmm. um it's just, it's like as if, okay, Elian, we're clo- we've closed that section. And that's what the Akashic Records is, the book of our life and connecting in with the higher self. And for a time, I was so connected and getting wonderful downloads and messages through the records. But then it was at the moment, it's just like, no, we're, we're not, I'm not getting much. So I just accept that and let that go. It's like letting those deaths happen, which is so powerful. And in my experience, I've never done my own Akashic record healing. I've, I think I've connected to Akasha and it's kind of this place that we go with yoga Nidra as well. But with the breath, when you're guiding someone else through the breath, it's like, it pierces through all the layers. So that person can connect to their own highest self and their own inner knowing and that's so incredibly empowering as opposed to somebody else that's telling exactly, you what they see. That's exactly it. And I think huge learning, a huge a realization for me has been, I do not want to be telling clients mm. anything. I just want to hold the space for them to discover it themselves. And I would have had people come and it's as if they just, you can just say it and they just want to give you their power and tell me what I should do here. And I have totally just shut the doors to that, just totally. And it just doesn't come. And I'm so glad because it it's, it's not helpful to anybody. Now, for a time, it was helpful, actually. So I think now as a, as a world and I am, um, we're all having to learn to be in our own wisdom and connect inwards, not, I think we've had, we've got, all got so much information. Yeah. We have to just go inside and find all our answers. And that's the way I prefer to work now. Yeah. I love that. It's so symbolic of what is happening in the world. Cause there's, you can find so much information out there to support any idea any belief, you know, we're bombarded with information and it's overwhelming and it's cluttering our field. And so the path is literally to go within and be like, what is my truth around this, as opposed to taking on 
other people's opinions and, and shit. It's like, no, I'm just going to go within and and that's the healing journey. And just coming back briefly that to when you spoke about, you know, almost being like addicted to the personal development world, the books, the podcasts, all the things, was there a moment where it was like, no, like this is, this has become an addiction. I need to find that balance within myself. It was very gradual and probably, you know, looking back now, of course, I can see it as clear as day, but it was gradually, um, I would have had, oh, I would have had all my routines and things that I thought, you know, mm. I needed to do and a crystal in my bra, my, <laughs> um, you know, um, rituals for the moon and reading all the books and even getting into the car listening to the podcasts um listening to different things on youtube and then gradually started to let different things fall away and then of course when lockdown happened because also actually part of that to tell you the truth lisa now when i look back i realize i used work as well you know that i felt um because the work that I do is wonderful and it is great and you can actually very easily go into ego with it and uh, there's a huge um well a pride and also a huge um good feeling you know when you're you're supporting and helping people and I would have when I was first growing my business I would have not wanted to say no to anybody so therefore I'd have been working lots and in my last house my healing room was above my garage so when the chaos was going on in my house with four kids I am um, it was so busy I could just go to my healing room and live in my wee zen for a few hours and it was wonderful and I used that as well Mm. didn't didn't realize of course didn't know it at the time but now when I've had to really drop into just finding stillness and and being comfortable without working as much because of um the pandemic there I've learned just it was huge um part of me that I rated my kind of how I felt I would have thought, oh, I'm not very, not very busy this week or, you know, oh, watch. And I used work mm. as a way of feeling good um, and a sense of identity. That's probably I really had a huge sense of identity in my work. Mm. Yeah. Look, yeah. And then Looking that was back, stripped away. Yeah, that was stripped away. And it was hard at the start. Um, and, you know, without having that escapism Mm -hmm. it's like you have to sit with yourself you have to sit mm -hmm. with yourself in that and that's been such a teacher I think for so many people with the pandemic everything gets stripped stripped away or stripped back and it's like okay what's left yeah who am I in this yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so that's where the balance came in for you yeah and now the balance is beautiful you know at the moment, um, the balance is really good and I'm enjoying that. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It's like so much space. Yeah. With it. And so with the sisterhood circles, are you currently offering sisterhood circles? 
Yeah, I am. And I will, I feel I will always offer that. I feel that is um, just magic. Um, well, you know, you know that as well as anyone knows that. And the, the power and the strength whenever women come and sit mm. and allow themselves to really be seen by other women and share themselves with other women that is that's huge highly empowering and that's really that deepens the magic of one-to-one sessions Mm, yeah it's so beautiful and that was like such a healing part of Avalon that first time because both times I've been to Avalon you've been there as well Mm -hmm. was just sitting in circle and being seen and witnessed by other women and held held in that space. And so with the sisterhood or the circles that you're offering, is that something on the land? Is it in your home? I know you've done retreats in Avalon. Is it kind of a, a mixture of all those different things? Yeah, it's a whole mixture. I haven't offered any retreats. I had to cancel the retreat the same time as you Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. and um, haven't done any more retreats since then don't feel a pull to do that at the minute or to arrange that but I have I've had a a lot of sisterhood circles here at my home Mm. and where I there's lots of wonderful old trees around my house and it's a conservation area just where my house is so the trees are ancient and beautiful Mm, what kind of trees are they well, I have a wonderful big mother oak just mm. over here, and um, they're they're very old trees. Oh, beautiful! Mm-hmm. So it's magical. we. All, I've also had because um, we have a well, we have loads of wonderful sacred sites in Ireland, as you know, but not too far from us, we have a place called Ballyno Stone Circle, mm. which is like a it's very very you just anybody can feel the fairy energy it's so strong you don't have to be a sensitive to feel it anybody would be I think everybody would feel the fairy energy there it's mighty and I've had sisterhood circles there recently oh that sounds powerful and magical yeah Yeah. Yeah. what for you what is what are the fae like the fairies how what is their you know, kind of the, who are they? The fairies, the fae. And what are the stone circles? Like, yeah, what is the, what is the power and the energy that is experienced in a a stone circle? And for you, what comes to mind as to why it's so powerful when you stand in those circles? Well, so for me, it is sacred land where the energy of the earth has been really um, held and kept kept sacred. The mm. stones are holding that wonderful energy that's been used, that was actually worked by the Druids, kept active, kept active, and then for a long time, probably, then the there wouldn't have been when the Druids were weren't keep an energy active and maybe a whole lot of our energy work just wasn't as as much going on that they weren't used as much but even now 
when you go to a stone circle and each time you go, you're strengthening, we're strengthening the energy as well Mm. as we are. I think of it as like plugging in like our iPhone to be recharged in an active site. You know, you're just going to be recharged, but you're also recharging the land there. And you are, I feel all emotional talking about this. It's just um, whenever we go there, it's not only about us. It's also about us going with conscious, open hearts and open minds that our energy feels given thanks to the land in that space. And then we're strengthening that activation point within the earth as well for everybody else. And it's not only, you know, it's not only about that one space in the earth, but that that site will also be supporting the, the homes around it, the parks around the rivers that flow. It's just helping nature, helping Mother Earth. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it reminded me when you spoke of that, of when we were at Merlin's cave the second time, but we couldn't go in because they were doing all that construction around it. And we were sitting up by Tintagel. We were sitting up there and we were just sitting like in a moment of meditation. And you spoke the words like the land needs our healing. And so like sending it our healing um, energy, because so often we go to these places for our own healing but the mother needs our healing too. And so that's that beautiful offering yeah. exchange of energies. When we're in a space, it's just like, you know, with a friend as well, you know, when we're in a space where we have enough to give, when we are in a space where we are feel that we have space to give, we can go to a sacred site just to connect with the land for the land's sake. And then another time, of you know the year we can go just to receive when we feel we need to you receive mm-hmm. and um then that's the dance of connecting with the sacred sites that's how it feels right for me yeah yeah and so offerings is a big part oh, yeah. of the exchange what does that look like for you the offerings well I would never go to a sacred site without an offering and I would bring, sometimes I would bring a crystal. Sometimes I'd bring flowers from my garden. Sometimes I would bring my blood from my blade. Mm. And um, I would have, just tune in to what I feel I want to bring. Even on my birthday last year, my son made me a cake and we brought the cake to the stone circle. That's what I wanted to do. And um, it was so special. Of course, my sons didn't know I had a glass bottle with my blood in it. That would have totally horrified them. But I did (laughs) in my backpack. (laughs) And I said, oh, I'm just going to go off here for a while. And I was able to make an offering of my blood to the land. And it was so wonderful, you know. Mm. I went on my birthday to celebrate there and just to give thanks for all the, everything that had come with that trip around the sun. Mm, That's beautiful. It's like that sacred exchange, you know, the giving and receiving with everything on this planet. We're not just here to take and giving, giving back our love. 
how do you think the stones got there? How do you think they, they were placed on the planet? Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never actually thought of that. Okay. But what, let me think about that. Now, well, I would say, I would say they've come from whenever the, I, the Druids were working with the land or whoever it was that was working with the land and whatever the space um, the the keepers of the land there's always been keepers of the land mm. um, and they would have been in the past in the distance past working in a much higher vibration than what we are capable of working with now and they they'll have just brought the stones and put them in the right place exactly where they need to be yeah yeah, yeah maybe was... even you and I may have been one of them we may have worked <laughs> together in somewhere special yes I think so I definitely think so is there a past life that comes to mind for you that's one of your favorite past lives I'm just throwing this in there oh I had a huge past life experience Lisa that anytime anybody mentions past life this is the biggest I've had many um experiences drop in but I was in Germany and I was with a group and it was uh, we were doing like a Steiner thing and we were visiting a place where Rudolf Steiner had done some work and we went to this castle this was nothing to do with Steiner it was just that's what the retreat was about but we went to visit a castle and as we walked up to the castle I got the vibes you know that you just feel in your body Mm. and I thought I don't want to go in here and for whatever reason we had to wait because there was so many of us in the group and we went into a wee bar and we were sitting waiting to go and I just had such oh it was it was just I felt so uneasy being there and then when we did go in I couldn't get a, I couldn't get into the side enough and I found myself in this nearly like a window um you know, it like you can visualize a castle window I was able to sit in the on the windowsill mm-hmm. so there was a meditation happening and I was sitting and I could feel the walls of the castle pulsating I know that sounds very but I it was so strong and then I just got to the point where I can't be here anymore and it was so rude to get up and leave in the middle of the meditation but there was I was there was no no way I could stay it was just was quite out of the question and I got up and another girl then had realized something was happening and she came out to me and we walked along and I cried and cried and had such an enormous just physical emotional the reaction was massive and I had memories come through about how I had been in this castle with um, a whole lot of other women and we were being kept there and we were being tortured in different ways and it was I didn't get loads of information it was all about the feelings but it was the feelings where we'd been wise women would been the sages of the time and the wise women and we were being punished and kept in this castle so I went after to other people that were there because at this time I couldn't I got back in the bus and cried went back the whole it it was just oh it was so strong 
but other people that were there had lifted the guide, you know, the sheet, the guide about it. And the room we had been in had been where had been like the prison room where people had oh, wow. been locked. Yeah. Oh, that's so that crazy. Was, and when I came home from that trip, it took me about a month to ground myself. It was, it was phenomenal. And I've part of me often thinks about going back, but I don't know if I'm ready to go back. It'll maybe come in the future. Or maybe I just don't, won't ever need to go back. But anytime anybody mentions past life, that's the biggest one that ever comes. That's a strong one. That's a very mm-hmm. visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful when we go into different places or even when we hug different people, the feelings that we get in our body, like that visceral reaction, like, oh, I'm having a reaction to something here is such a powerful inner knowing like, oh, there's something that's happened in a past life or we were sisters in a past life or friends or, you know, we were carrying the stones to the stone circles yeah. <laughs> in a past life that there's such um, little nuggets on our path when we have those really visceral body reactions where it's like, I've experienced something and that's crazy that it was so yeah. powerful for you. Mm. So with Ireland and the sacred sites, what are kind of, what are the sacred sites around Ireland and what, what is that communion with the land look like? Like when you think of like Ireland is this like spiritual vortex, where are those places, the lands of Ireland? There's huge amount of sacred sites around Ireland. I wouldn't even know where to start to tell you about them. There's so many. Mm. Um, there are like even where I where I live, there's um, within walking distance, there's holy land. You know, we we have been, um, but there's some some that's more ancient than others, of course. And we've got there's uh, the most popular one really would be the Hill of Tara. You've maybe heard of it. No, um, it would be the one where when tourists come, where they want to go. But of course, being um, from here and having wonderful teachers and elders, I was always taught that that's just where the tourists go. And the real site that activates that is like 15 miles that way, you know. So mm. we have uh, with so many sacred wells as well, where the wells are still, you know, they're, the water's flowing and um yeah we've got St Bridget's well well actually I think there's about four St Bridget's wells um there's different ones that have been have had different stories told about Mm. Uh, there's a wonderful place that I would be my favorite place that I would go to down around the peninsula near here and it's called Nendrum and I find I haven't been in a while there now, actually, but for a long time, that was my place to go. I would have been there during difficult times of life. I would have been there probably weekly. And talking about there, actually, I feel I probably, I'll, I'll probably make a wee visit there soon. And where I, I can just go, I loved it. When I go into a sacred site where the land is active, I love to take my shoes off mm. and I bring an offering and 
just allow time to just sit and receive and give and just really be with the land. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing that you need to do when you go to these sacred sites. And it's even like the, the wells, the sacred wells and the waters, just being there, you're receiving the energy. Like you just feel so much. Um, who's Bridget? So St. Bridget is known as she would have been, some people would say a midwife. Uh, She would be very, um, actually, I didn't really connect with St. Bridget until in Avalon, which is bizarre, um, having to go away from Ireland to really connect with Ireland. So she would be a goddess and there's inside what do you call which place was that where we were what did you call it behind the chalice well oh the white springs white springs was it the white springs yeah there was the altar to bridget yes and then there's the, Black the altar Madonna. Mm. yeah mm. so she would be um i actually have a lovely stone here on my table that there's that uh, that stone is activated with the energy of St. Bridget. Mm. So she would be the goddess of midwife, of the feminine, of working with the land. Some would say that that you would see her as the hare, or you could see her as the wolf. In Irish... um, Celtic, I suppose, all over. We have so many different stories, and there's lovely um, links between them all. So sometimes, like I was speaking to a girl today, and we'd seen there was a magpie just passed as we were talking, and I said to her, I always associate the magpie with the Morrigan. And um, she said, "Oh, I've never heard that." And I thought, well, "See, there, you know, that's that's what it means to me." not necessarily to her she was thinking of the magpie do you you know the bird I mean the magpie yes. yeah. yeah yeah the black and white bird and I would always think of that as the morrigan mm. when I see the magpie and if for St Bridget I would think of the fox or the hare if I would see them and I think about the whales and the water and the earth and um we have St. Bridget's Day is on the 2nd of February. And here we would put a scarf out on our hedge um, outside. If, mm. if you don't have a hedge, you just put a scarf out. And then she would come round during the night. This is the story. She comes round during the night and then it becomes a healing scarf. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, there's lots that. of wonderful stories. Yeah. I love the myths and the stories that get passed down. They're so beautiful. Like the, the story of the, uh, the well maidens and all of them, there's just so much, um, wisdom held within each story. And so February 2nd, that would be in bulk. And we, we did a retreat for in bulk here this year. And it was kind of like stoking the fires. Like oh, so Bridget's the goddess of, of the fire. Mm, yeah. Yeah. We worked with yeah. Bridget for, it was beautiful. Oh. And I love that you brought to the conversation, just like, what does she mean? Or how does she, um, breathe and weave through you? It's like angel numbers. You know, you could Google what an angel number is and there's 
a million different, like this is what one, 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 you know, whatever, but it's like, what does it mean for you? What are you feeling when you see that number repeatedly? And, you know, what do you feel like the magpie? Who is she speaking to, as opposed to what you can Google and find out it's like starting to experience it for yourself with the hair. Is it, what's the symbolism behind the hair? Is it fertility? Fertility. Yeah. So Mm. that's with Bridget being, about childbirth and um, then she would be about the goddess of fertility. Mm, Beautiful. When I was in Ireland, it was 2015 that I was there. So I was just kind of early on in my spiritual path, but I went to the cliffs of more. I wore a mini dress. (laughs) It was so cold. I looked like obviously a tourist that wasn't dressed appropriately for Irish, you know, it was so cold and everything, but it was so powerful when I was on those cliffs and the wind and the sea, and I was freezing and all that beautiful stuff. But is there anything, are there any stories of the cliffs of more, or are they just really one of those touristy places? They are. I have actually never been there. I'm ashamed to say, um, it's quite a distance from me, but I have, they're very beautiful, very picturesque. Mm. They, they, I've seen them, of course. And there's a lovely yoga studio there, actually, that a friend's been to. I've seen photographs and they look beautiful. I dare say, you know, there tourists go there because it is so picturesque and beautiful, mm. but there will be magic there as well. And it's like even, um, you know, anywhere that people go to and appreciate and connect with nature, the magic grows and expands all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it becomes a portal to higher vibrations and all that kind of stuff. And it just felt like that wild Kali Ma energy, like Caridwin or one of those goddesses, Mm -hmm. because it was so powerful. And I just felt like that really the power of the feminine when she's in her wild chaotic nature yeah. is so, so strong. I just want to touch on this. Cause I know that we both, you've read the book, the garden awakening, right? We've spoken I have. about this. Yeah. And actually, do you know what I'm going to, did I tell you before, uh, the girl who wrote that book designed gardens in a spa a hotel, not well, about three or four hours from here. And I'm going on Monday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew you were going, but I thought you were already gone. So, oh gosh, you'll have to let me know what that feels like. Cause it's Mary Reynolds who wrote the book and there's yes. a, a movie as well that I found that is about her life, dare to be wild. Yeah. And it's about these like Celtic lands and keeping the wild magic in these gardens that she creates. And I just yeah. can't imagine the energy in it. Oh, it's fab. I have actually already been and I'm going again, Lisa. Oh. So that's it was I'm going for my birthday when my husband had said, what did I want for my birthday? I said, I'd like another trip to <laughs> uh, Monarch. So which there's a labyrinth and I walk the labyrinth every day. It is such a beautiful place that she's created down there. It's just so wonderful. And um yeah, I loved that movie. I know the movie where she, as a child, she was going into the stone circle and she was connecting with the fairies and, you know, it's lovely. Yeah. 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 It's so beautiful. It's like that deep connection with the land of the Celts and just tending to the land and being in communion with it. And her, like the garden awakening is about not like 
creating these pristine gardens, rather speaking with the land and how it wants to express itself and using wildflowers as opposed to, you know, all the just really communing with the land and letting it speak through it. Yeah. What is the, the fairies? What comes to mind for you with the fairies? Well, the fairies, uh, there's a wonderful book. Have you ever read it? Uh, Summer with, with the leprechauns? No. No, put that on your reading list. It's okay. such a good book. And that helped me really have a, a great picture of the fairies. So I, um, I completely um, visualize the fairies being um, just in another dimension, but just as real as what we are. And, but they're active in another dimension and they are keeping, they're looking after the nature, they're looking Mm -hmm. after the earth, they're keeping the vibration high. And there's like, I could talk, my um, son who's 16 goes to Steiner school and in Steiner they would be learning about the fairies and they would be talking about the fairies and the gnomes and so when he's very young he would have been obviously now he doesn't talk to me about the fairies but when he was six and seven he would have been and it's that part of the child's brain that can really just connect with the unseen worlds and then as we get older and we go back and we allow the inner child to come in, we can connect with the unseen worlds when we allow ourselves to. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like- you know, there's like, people, people take psychedelics, they're talking to the grass, they're connecting with the fairies. They're, that's very real. They're, mm. they're allowing that part of their brain to open up to that, that world, to that dimension. Yeah. You know, when we're busy and we're in our cars and we're, you know, having to pay the mortgage, we are not thinking about that. But when we go into the quiet space, like it's not just us, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. we can open our, open our minds, open up our consciousness to so much more. Yeah. I love that. I uh, was on a psilocybin journey a couple of weeks ago for therapy and I was riding my dragon at one point I was lying in a sea of nebulas with a black panther (laughs) is amazing, you know, but it is like, you're opening, we're opening ourselves and we can do it through so many different modalities, meditation, just communing with the land, breath work, um, psychedelics, where we're seeing beyond the 3d that we can see right now. And so fairies, unicorns, dragons, it's all existing in this moment. It's just opening our eyes to it yeah. and receiving yeah. from it. And the fairies, I, I think of as mischievous and um, fun loving. It's like the child. Mm. And um, whenever we really respect the energy of the fairies, then they respect us. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. that exchange. Totally. Like communion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in harmony. Here we have, um, we would have quite a lot of fairy trees around Ireland and farmers, like there's there's no, nobody would cut down a fairy tree because they just know that mm. bad things happen if you cut down a fairy tree. And it can be, you know, that is, you can have some people that are so, um, you know, 
far removed and you would think, oh, they wouldn't be up and up to their cup, but they'd be like, oh no, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't cut down a fairy tree, which I love, you know, yeah. that's, what's the word for that superstition? Yes. That superstition is so strong. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's, they know the power of the totally. fairy trees. Remember when yeah. we were in Avalon, the holy thorn. Oh yes. Down, remember. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. There's such yeah. um karma that might come with oh. cutting down a tree as sacred as that. Yeah. And all trees are sacred, but you know, the that particular it was the holy thorn, wasn't it? The holy it thorn. It was, yeah. yeah. You know, pilgrims had been going to it for years and years and years, just the energy that was steeped in mm -hmm. that, in that tree, in that land, and then to cut it down, like yeah. It's, um, it's going to come back at you in some, oh. in some way for yeah. sure. Yeah. What is the story of how you manifested the house that oh, you're in? Yeah. So I had a lot, I probably about maybe eight, seven or eight years ago, my husband and I, and one of my older boys viewed a house on a complete just if we were to have the money this we'll just go and look at this house and pretend we can afford it and we went and viewed the house we at that point we couldn't afford it but it was just I think we wanted to look around this big old house and it's where I where I live there's a there's six houses within uh the area so it wasn't my house that I'm living in but it was a house just two doors down and I loved it but it was wasn't within our price range but I loved it and then whenever I was in Mount Chasta on a retreat with Madeline Giles um, at the end of the breathwork training we all gathered together in Mount Chasta and at the end I think it was the, like the last day we all had to speak to each other in a way and tell each other as if we hadn't seen each other in years and we were saying what was going, what had happened in our lives, what was going on. And we were just speaking in the present. And of course, Mount Chasta was wonderful. I loved it. I loved the land there. It was, it was very powerful. And I, I know I was supported by the land and I could feel it. And I was explaining to the girl that I was paired with and I was visualizing this house just down the, the road uh, and I was saying where I was living I was saying I'm able to walk to yoga I'm just beside the sea and I've got this wonderful bathtub and my husband and I are having this wonderful relationship and we're so you know we're able to walk down the town and go out for a drink and walk home and it's so lovely and um, that was that was all done and then we had decided we were moving house and we went to look at a house and we were looking at what we could afford and Graham my husband had really liked a house and I'd went to see it and I was like oh I'm not really sure but as we were coming out with the estate agent there was a tiny wee mouse came up and like just actually physically this in the real world you know it wasn't just in my like a real mouse a real mouse oh wow and it was a wee dormouse and it came up and it just looked at me and mm -hmm. stood and nodded and Graham and the estate agent were like 
oh my goodness, what were, you know, and the man was like, I haven't seen a mouse ever do that. And I thought, right, okay, if you want this house, then I'm going to go with the message from the mouse, we'll go ahead with this house. So we put the offer in, got the house, and it was all going through. And then we were supposed to move on the Friday. And on the Wednesday, there was a solicitor's letter came from a neighbor and it was it just felt messy. And I said to Graham, that's it, just pull out. It doesn't feel, it's not for us. This just feels messy. It's not right. Pull out. And the, at this point, the money was in with the solicitors. You know, mm. it was that that close. We'd packed up. It was, we were moving and the money was with the solicitors. So we pulled out and I thought, what was all this about? This couldn't have been for no reason because it felt so right. And I looked online and this was in December and the house that I'm living in now, there was an auction that night. Mm. This house was at auction. And I said to Graham, that house in Tudor Park, there's an auction for one of those big houses. And it was the week before Christmas. So you can imagine the average person doesn't have enough money to buy a house the week before Christmas. But we did because we had all this money sitting with the solicitor. Mm -hmm. And we were just, everything was all lined up. And we went and put an offer. It was an auction. So we it had been a repossession. Needs lots of work to, done to it. But we got the house. And oh, wow. we bought the house on an auction on the Thursday and the next Tuesday, the keys were delivered to our house. We were, the man brought the keys and it all just flowed perfectly. Oh, I love that. It's yeah. like when the goddess weaves a web and everything just aligns and you're like, holy shit, how did that happen? Yeah, it was mind blowing. And it was, you know, it's a 180 year old house. It it, the trees this is why I'm here I'm here because we've got just out here there's a gorgeous big mother oak there's lots of um it just feels it's special land you know and um but it felt like that was coming it was starting to come uh, obviously it was always planned but it was starting to come in in Mount Chasta and I felt I just was anchoring that in yeah yeah I love that um practice that Madeline had you all do of speaking where you're going to be. And she's like, a she's a super manifester that one, mm. Madeline, um, where speaking in things as if they're already happening, like, yeah, I'm living here, I'm going here. And then all of a sudden it just all weaves together and you're like, wow, it's actually here in my physical form. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's so beautiful. So, so beautiful. And, um, I think the last time we were in Avalon was right when you moved into the house or something. I remember seeing a picture of it and yeah, it was just so beautiful how it all came together. Yeah. What, um, does anything come to mind for you that we haven't touched on just with Avalon and the healing powers of Avalon and what that place represents for you? Avalon definitely represented a reconnection to a connection to sisterhood I have no doubt that of all of us most of us that were there together that I have journeyed with before mm. and I feel that I this this actually 
is just coming to me now, but it feels right. I feel I went to Avalon the first time as a girl, as a, you know, a little girl, as a young girl. And I really matured into a woman through mm. the connections with others that I met there, through the, the journeying to go there even. And the faith in the land, I connected with um, Ireland so much more after that trip because I didn't know anything else really than being here in my own home land. But then when I went to Avalon and just to connect with the sacred land there, doing that helped me really connect deeper with the sacred land here. Yeah. Yeah, and connecting with other women that were working their magic and that were also brave enough to sit in circle and share their their truth and to think, wow, we can be these wonderful, magical women that are mighty and powerful and fierce, but we can also be in tears about everyday life. And um, that was really strong. It was powerful. Mm, beautiful. It feels like stepping over a threshold into like the mother yeah. archetype, going from the maiden to the mother. And it's such a place of reclamation and that sisterhood wound when you heal that and reclaim, like letting other women hold you and support you and all that. It, it's such a deep dive into standing fully in who you are. Mm, I yeah. love that. Yeah. And for me, actually, for such a big group of women, I, the first time that I really um, sat in such a big group of women was in Avalon. And at that time, I wouldn't have been ready to do that at home. I wouldn't have been ready to do that close to home with people that I, you know, would see I was, or wouldn't have been brave enough at that time. So traveling away from home, to allow myself to be really seen then helped me to heal so that I could be seen at home. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Are there any books that come to mind, like your favorite books around Avalon or communing with the land or even like sacred sites in Ireland? Are there any books that <laughs> like, just look it up here. Now this is total coincidence, but so this here, just right in front of me is Anamkara. Have you ever read this? Mm-mm. No. Oh, Lisa, you're going to have to read it. I actually give Madeline Giles a copy of this book because this is such a wonderful book. So Anamkara is the Celt Irish for soul friend. So mm. that's the Irish Anamkara. So it's whenever we connect and that's just so lovely that that's sitting there. And it's written by an author called John O'Donoghue. And he writes a lot of poetry. He has passed over now, but he has written a lot of poetry and that's one of his most famous books. And I think you will love it actually. Yeah. He keeps coming into my field. I think, cause I follow Madeline's stories. I think she's reading one of oh. John O'Donnelly's books. It just keeps coming up. So I'm like, okay. Oh. There's a beautiful, it. there's a beautiful poem. Um, I'll send you it after. Um, about new beginnings and it's a it all many of his poems are powerful but the one about new beginnings is so special 
Mm, well, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. I can't wait until Sharon Blackie's new book is out. Oh, the yeah. Hagitude one, but her books always speak so beautifully to the lands. Like if women rose rooted. Oh, I the, loved it. So good. So yeah, good. I've met her actually. Yeah. She's lovely. Yeah. Oh, did you go on a retreat with her? No, she was actually in Belfast, um, speaking in a yoga studio. And I, somebody had told me it was, she was there and I went and met her and um, she did give a talk. It was lovely, actually. Yeah, she's really Oh, that sounds wise beautiful. And, yeah. Very crone energy, the wise, yeah. the wise mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. And just, I love the communion with the land that she speaks about so beautifully. Yeah. So mm. what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned so far, love? Oh, the biggest lesson that I've learned so far, well, what the answer to that today would probably be different answer tomorrow, but at the moment it is what I focus on is the key. Mm. I'm really at the minute deepening into that realization that it's what I focus on and it's so simple but I'm you know I'm really growing with that in mind at the moment even with my kids even with parenting you know it's what I focus on is the key so if you know any of the kids are acting out or whatever I think right what do I want to focus on what do I want here focus on that and um that's what is that's so simple but it's big at the minute it's a big one it is a big one mm-hmm. I'm just curious with the manifesting the house and like going from Mount Chasta with Madeline and then until you moved into the house um was there anything that you were embodying or anything that you were doing to manifest does that make sense the way that I'm no yeah I know what mm. you mean and I wasn't hung up on it I wasn't um and I don't, I think when we get hung up on the things, then that yeah. dilutes it all down. I think that the total like, okay, there's a, here's a opening for this. And I just trust mm. in, and I would also say quite often, uh, like my son was a plan for a job recently. And I'd said, um, either this or something better, that's it, you know, just, and then drop it, leave it at that. It's either this or something better. Yeah. And don't, but don't get, don't stick with it. Don't get hung up on it. Just trust and let it flow. No, I love that. It's like when we're co-creating with the divine, if we're so fixated on it being that house, that person, however it wants to look, we're, we're stopping the flow. We're creating resistance and need and attachment and lack and all that beautiful stuff that stops the flow. Yeah, it's because the the other house that we had, the other house that lined us up for getting this house, I was never, I was never, you know, down about it. I was never passionate about that other house, but it was the mouse that made me go ahead. And all I I always said, I constantly said, either this or something better. And then Mm. when things started to get awkward, we just got to the point where I just went, right, no, I'm out now. And then the something better arrived. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I've um, just, I think, cause we're in Pisces energy. I don't know why, but these, this past week, it's like, I feel like a miracles right around the corner. And I've had a couple of miracles happen this past week, but that just like feeling like I know what's meant for me is coming. 
yeah. this or something better where it's not that like, it, it reminds me of when I manifested the trip to Avalon. I wasn't fixated on it. I wasn't trying to force it. I wasn't trying to make it happen, but I was just like this, like this knowing in my bones yeah. that what was meant for me was coming. Mm, yeah. I love that. How do you experience the mysteries? Um, I, ex- oh, in so many ways in, well, what some people would say is coincidences. I have lots of just knowingness and I experience the mysteries through, um, through ch- my children. They're so often that, and through the youngest one, mostly actually at the minute, just because he's more open and aware and, and through dreams I have I I think because it is Pisces season I have had so many wonderful um awarenesses and so realizing that have come in dream time this past week has been really great so I would get messages through dreams is this what you meant yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, messages through dreams and through then just the feelings in my body I feel um I feel strongly and for in the past, actually, I would have put that down like we touched on at the start. I would have said that was a hindrance, whereas now, you know, I'm totally embracing Mm. it and I I feel strongly. So I experience the mysteries and through my body because I can feel them. Yeah, feeling that energy and the power. And it's like those um, synchronicities where nothing's a coincidence. Like it's oh, all, yeah. all messages and all, all meant to be or, or received. So I love that. I just had a thought, was that or Soma that, um, remember when we were in Avalon and we were at that truck stop on the side of the road and did you do Orisoma on me in the gas station and everybody was looking at us like we were crazy in glass? Oh, I, prob- I probably did. <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> I think that's what was happening. And there's all these like truckers looking at us like, what are they doing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was a mystery to them. They're like, whoa. (laughs) Um, And how do you root into the self? I root into the self through, well, I walk every day in the woods. Monday to Friday, I walk with the dogs and I through connecting with other women before um I would have had spaces to root into the self I would have thought I had to go on a retreat I had to make time away from home and now it is magical where I can have a walk in the woods for an hour or I can have a bath uh, I can use oils and I can really connect and be seen by I find with other women I wrote into the self easier um but that's because I'm surrounded by men I'm in a house with five men so I love mm. rooting in with other women and I have pets and I'm in the garden a lot with the trees I love that in the garden and with the trees it's like nature yeah. just roots us and grounds us so powerfully so yeah. so powerfully mm, beautiful is yeah. there anything else that you want to add to this beautiful conversation before we mm. close 
Not that I can think of. That was really lovely. Thank mm-hmm. you for asking me. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. It was so beautiful. So beautiful yeah. to connect and talk about the land and healing and all the magic that's there. And so it'll be in the show notes for everyone listening to connect with Elaine and her beautiful healing magic. And maybe there'll be some retreats coming up. I feel like the stirring of planning retreats coming again. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. You should do one in Ireland. You bring all your crew to Ireland and I'll come with you and we'll do breath work in the stone circles and it'd be wonderful. That would be amazing. That would be yeah. so, so perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's plant that seed. We'll plant that. Yeah. <laughs> Planting the seed, just mm-hmm. like you did with Madeline. Thank you so much for being here, love. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. So much love.